All right, so I'm going to turn your own show on you right now. Hello and welcome to the EduPunks podcast. This is your host, Craig Bideman. Very excited to bring you today's conversation with an everyday educator and daily disruptor. I'm talking with Dustin Ramsdell, who is the higher ed geek for folks in the education realm, the higher education realm. You know, Dustin runs his own podcast called the Higher Ed Geek Podcast. He's had his own site, thehigheredgeek.com, and he's been doing a bunch of geeky stuff uh, ever since he's, you know, been alive. He's been in a lot of uh, he's been involved in a lot of different trendy things. He loves comics. He loves video games. All that jazz. We get into it in this episode. We're actually doing something really special this week because oh, just dropped some stuff. We're doing some special this week because uh, he's interviewing me on his podcast, and I'm I interviewed him for my podcast. We did it all this week. They're both airing today. So when you're done listening to this, or if you came to this one from Dustin's, hey, it's me again. How's it going? Or, hey, you can go listen to Dustin talk to me and uh, hear what I have to say about the things that I'm nerding out about or geeking out about. Whatever. We actually get into that conversation in this episode as well. The difference between, you know, geeking and nerding out about stuff. It's fun. It's really fun. We get into a lot of stuff. I enjoyed it. And this week you're going to get to hear tunes from the new Slow Crush album, Aurora, which came out on September 28th on Holy Roar Records. Those are some hard words to say right next to each other. Aurora and Holy Roar Records. Aurora! came out on Holy Roar Records by the band Slow Crush. They're from Belgium. They're a Belgian fuzzy shoegaze band that, you know, I hope you really dig that kind of stuff, because I do, and I'm really stoked to be hyping them up this week. Uh, We'll get to hear some more of that later. We're not really going to have a normal ad break, because honestly, this whole episode is an ad for Dustin's podcast, The Higher Ed Geek Podcast, and his episode's a whole uh, advertisement for me, a human being Craig Biderman. Hey, what's up? And the Edupunks podcast and all the other stuff. So we're kind of like looking out for each other this week and really fun for our folks in the realm of education, higher education, getting to hear from both of us uh, on our respective pods. Just something fun to do, something we want to try out. But yeah, go over to, go over to the Higher Ed Geek podcast if you don't already already subscribe. And until uh, you hear from me again, let's get to this conversation with Dustin Ramsdale, the Higher Ed Geek. I don't know why I gave him a jingle, but you know, good for him. 
All right, so I'm sitting digitally with my friend Dustin Ramsdale. How are you doing, Dustin? Hey, I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm I'm doing great. Uh, I'm glad to be chatting with you again. For folks who don't know, we've already had a few uh, podcast conversations in the past, and uh, this is the first time I'm interviewing you. So I'm really excited for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited too. <laughs> Gonna hold your feet to the fire in this one. That's all not right. true. That's not true at all. Um, so uh, for folks who don't know who you are, can you explain who you are, where you come from, and how you got here? Sure. Uh, so I'll, I'll try to do a quick summary of uh, my life's journey to this point. Um, so I was originally born in Prescow, Maine, which is basically Canada, um, far northern northern reaches of the state. Um, and uh, soon after that, I moved to Delaware, like right in the center of the state, around Dover Air Force Base. Uh, my stepdad was in the Air Force, and uh, it was me, my mom, my stepdad, and my older brother. He's two years old, and I am Bryn. Um, so uh, we were all really close because you know it was just kind of our like nuclear unit, and I did. Um, all my schooling in Delaware, K through 12, I went to University of Delaware for undergrad. I was a history major with leadership minor, and I was an RA for two years when I was at uh, University of Delaware. Kind of got the bug uh, to get into higher ed and student affairs. I kind of originally thought I was going to be a high school history teacher, which I'll probably get to about just that sort of uh, kind of segue of like uh, what turned me on to education. But um, yeah, it just kind of made that pivot started applying to grad schools, took a GRE, uh, did grad school interviews and everything, um, and ended up at Rutgers University in New Jersey to do their higher ed program. I was a hall director there. I was in grad school for two years. And then after that, I had met my future wife while I was at Rutgers. Uh, She got into the UMaine higher ed program. Uh, I, again, I was from Maine, so I was kind of moving up close to the family anyway. I found a job to be a full-time resident director um, at a small private university, uh, up in Maine, uh, so it's like the Bangor area for anybody who's familiar. Um, so I was there for two years, and again, I will talk more about this because it definitely was a big jump. After working at uh, that school for two years, uh, I went to uh, 2U, which is a higher ed tech company that partners with the universities to put their degree programs online. Um, I started working there as a student uh, support advisor. I did that for over two years and then made a pivot. Uh, to continue doing similar work uh, for Noodle Partners, um, which is another... Uh, online program manager or OPM uh, as they're called uh, in the industry. So still doing similar work, helping to enable universities to put their um, primarily graduate degree programs entirely online um, and just sort of be thought partners with them and uh, sort of help augment their work in doing that. Uh, you know, kind of the, more on the academic side of things, I'm still kind of supporting the student experience, um, but obviously really uh, helping these universities get degree programs online for that kind of greater access. So that's a very quick version. Um, I know we'll dig into more aspects of it, but uh, yeah, that's my story. Sweet. I actually didn't know how high up in Maine you were from, but yeah, that is, that's Canada. It's up there. It's a hike. <laughs> yeah, it's a little. Did yeah. you have a zip code? Yeah, I mean, and I think they, if I'm not mistaken, like they start them like up in there. Maine, so it's, yeah. it's like lower. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I mean, it, the town, it, I don't know the exact, and maybe you pull it up, but um yeah, the population, very low. Like, it's, it's where all my extended family is. And, I mean, it's just definitely a small-town vibe. And, you know, they've never really left or, you know, left the state of Maine, really. Um, I, I kind of jokingly call it, like, it's like the south of the north. Like, it's just a very <laughs> rural state. It's, you know, far bigger than most people think. It's mostly trees. Um, and it's a very natural beauty. And I, 
you know, I go up as often as I can. Um, and it was cool, like, because I never remembered it being just like a baby. And then being able to live there for two years and um, have that experience with my, my now wife, like, um, while we were up there, we took like a New England road trip to like a couple of like craft beer places and stuff. And like, um, yeah, like we got engaged and that was just sort of like, it was, it was very like deepening for our bond to kind of be, uh, you know, taking that adventure together in Maine for two years. And uh, so I had kind of a, a special place in my heart just to experience my home state at that time and um, definitely for our relationship. So yeah, it's a, it's a very, very, uh, very unique place. And certainly my hometown is uh, even more uh, just uh, kind of special. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> that sounds wild because like yeah. i'm from a state where the zip codes like end because <laughs> like, oh, my yeah. zip code yeah. in <clears throat> in oregon was like starts with nine seven so it's over there uh, <laughs> yeah the but, other end yeah <laughs> i'm drinking out of a rutgers uh pint glass right now with some water and uh i got this from folks over there when we, we were invited to speak at the uh we are student affairs uh mm-hmm, conference mm-hmm. nice pretty cool nice. Yeah, okay. Rutgers Pride for sure. So again, that's a spl- like a place where I met my future wife. So yeah, it's a it's yeah. a great town. Yeah, it's a big place. So how was that transition from, like, how big is the University of Delaware? Uh, I mean, it's it's definitely like a medium sized institution. Okay. I'd say like in the you know ten to twenty thousand between like the entire kind of student body. Yeah. Um, and Rutgers, yeah, it's definitely bigger. It's it's like. I mean, the state institution has multiple campuses, and um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 huge. So I think that's more in like the thirty thousand plus um, yeah. Rutgers. Yeah, that's pretty big. Yeah. Um, so you wanted to be a high school teacher at first. I mean, I went to college to be a high school teacher too, and uh, was not cut out for it. What was the change for you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel like I've, I've heard the it's like a similar story for a lot of higher ed folks. Like, yeah, just kind of generally knowing they wanted to be in education, but making kind of a, a pivot to higher ed. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of it is like just kind of knowing in my heart, I guess, like once they started getting into it, that it may not be a good fit for me. And maybe just at that time, you know, um, in my life and kind of my my growth and everything. So I was doing like the student teaching and observations. Uh, well, I guess I didn't technically student teach, but I was like observing and doing like my final classes and the prospect of my entire senior year um, being kind of consumed by um, student teaching. I was sitting in doing those observations and seeing how classes were facilitated and the energy and just like, I don't know. Yeah, it was, I don't even know what it might've been in particular, but the encouragement that I was getting from other folks uh, that I was working with, like the grad students who are the hall directors and stuff, just knowing that there's another path to sort of work in education, impact student experiences. And I just get, I got so much from college and it's still just sort of that idea of like kind of paying back what I got and um, still being able to work in education. Um, it's just the idea that like I could have pressed forward and taught in high school and I love history. I still do just in terms of, you know, putting things in their proper context and kind of telling the story of the world and whatnot. But um, yeah, I was just, I was getting more excited about the possibility of um, kind of working at a college at that time. Um, And, you know, I kind of worked my way through residence life for the next couple of years, but um, yeah, I think it just wasn't the right time for me at that moment. And maybe it, you know, I I taught like a first year experience course for one semester when I was at Husson. So it was like neat to be able to do that. But I think, I think I had this notion that that was maybe the only way that I could be involved in like history or education. And I'm just 
you know, podcasting maybe is just like, it's a very different way, but like I, my voice and like thinking of like my expertise or whatever, like I just don't ever want to feel right. You know, being that sage on the stage or anything like that. Like it's just not my style necessarily. Like I just like talking through things and I'm just very relative and open-minded and just kind of having that discourse. But it's like, yeah, if you're the teacher for the most part, like the way that they structure it now, you know, it, it's, it's not like that's the only way to teach, but like, I think it's like, you know, teaching towards a test, it's like, there is one answer. It's very structured. It, you know, it's just yeah. a lot of stuff that I guess, like for me, it was like maybe a continual realization that that's what that world is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I just wanted to go kind of a, a different way into, uh, into education. Yeah. And I think that that's incredibly valid because that was a lot of what kind of like took away my, <clears throat> my interest in, in, in like, teaching in like a high school because there's so Mm -hmm. much focus on um scores and percentages and data and graduation rates to where like i'm i'm so averse to educators who think of students as data points um Mm -hmm. that i i get really grossed out when people talk about retention and attrition rates and i'm like well let's just talk about them as people who might not want to graduate on time or don't have the uh, means to graduate on time. And like teaching in a high school really showed me how, how much like students are just pushed beyond their means. And it's, it was rough. Um, So once you made the decision to go toward higher ed, was res life something that you had initially planned on doing or did you fall into it? I think I did fall into it because I really primarily did res life as a student. Um, undergrad at University of Delaware so like that's what I knew that's what I had experience in and so that was kind of my uh, my gateway in and I think it also helped enable me and just in terms of like not having any other complicating factors of like where was I going to live or like you know how was I going to pay all my bills it's like okay like it helped like I'm kind of making smaller steps up kind of have a soft landing still get really kind of a generalist experience uh, out of college or universities so um it made sense it's what I knew so I think Certainly after doing it professionally for two years, I was like, again, I could keep that momentum, kind of inertia going, but um, I knew I I wanted something different. So I think it it was kind of like a placeholder. uh, And it was hard for me to like narrow down to, it was like, well, like maybe do this at a college or maybe, you know, maybe do this, maybe that. Like it was just, you know, (laughs) kind of a character trait of mine. I can be like, you know, indecisive to a fault because I can kind of see see the value in, in anything and everything, you know. Um, but then it's like, well, but what do you want to do? Like, it's sometimes just like, what do you want to eat for dinner? What do you want? Like, I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, I could do this or I could do that. I don't, you know, <laughs> I'm just like overthinking even the simplest of things, not, you know, no less my kind of career trajectory of like, what aspect of higher ed do you want to like, you know, like what functional area do you really want to like invest your time in or what? But, well, and they really so. push that a lot. They push that a lot on mm-hmm. us in, in grad school. I'm just like, can we like just learn about a bunch of different things so I don't have to like feel super pressured here right now that'd be great (laughs) Uh yeah yeah you have to kind of have like your narrative and kind of a path and like you know like the experience is going to count for a lot you know so if it's like oh I did this for a little bit and this for a little bit and this for a little bit there's gonna be like uh, I don't know what to make of that like you know it just might be harder to find a job and you know it's the thing where it's like it is a professional program but yeah I mean it's still one based in education so you'd hope that they would be a little bit more um and my program is still pretty young at Rutgers at that time. Like I was the um, the fourth core, the fourth cohort in that program, um, and I think they're now 
you know, it's been a while since I've been there. Like they're working on like their ninth and tenth cohort, um, and I think they hopefully have found a found that balance. But um, I don't know. I'm not <laughs> highly acquainted with how they've arranged their curriculum. So um, yeah, I certainly I certainly agree with you. Yeah, like allowing a little bit more space, like at that time when you have the ability to kind of explore, but um, you know, you're sort of like locked into your assistantship, and you have to kind of um, maybe kind of just only dip your feet in for a couple of months into other stuff. Um, but uh, and that's like not paid. It's you know, you know so it's all it's all thing. Yeah, and I don't know. I think it's good for folks to kind of like dip their feet in a lot of different places um, and kind of figure out where where we could and should be. Because like in my in my grad work and we we chatted about it while it was happening, um, I did like a bunch of different types of things just to kind of see where I wanted to go. And then the wellness route kind of stuck for me. Um, you went a different route, but I know it's something that's been involved in your life for a while. You went the techie route. How, uh, mm-hmm. how did that come about for you? Yeah. I mean, so little aspects of my origin story. So the high school that I went to, um, was actually like a technical high school. Um, it's where my brother went. Not sure necessarily why he chose it, but um, it was a nice high school and it allowed you to you know, get your standard high school education, but also do stuff like radio TV or criminal justice or um, computer science or something um, like that. You kind of almost like chose a major, so to speak. Um, so I chose radio and TV. I considered computer science, but um, for one reason or another, I didn't. So certainly a way that that continues to manifest for me is doing a podcast and stuff like that. You know, I, I filmed things and we had like a little studio and I edited. So that's always been like kind of working with technology and tools to, to make stuff. Um, you know, that's been part of my life since high school. And I think, yeah, I mean, I like played video game systems, you know, and just like had all this stuff around me my whole life uh, in terms of technology and just kind of had a, um, an admiration and, and an interest and always been, been intrigued by it. And, I think and that's even, yeah, I can't even like tack it down to something, but I've just always respected technology's ability to augment our world and our lives and everything. Like a lot of people think it's like, you know, oh, social media comes around, we're never going to talk to each other anymore or like, you know, stuff like that. It's like, no, I think it can help build a community where like, you know, you're into the same things and it can help facilitate in-person, you know, meetups or something like that. So like I always see it as that facilitator or sort of, augments things and especially in the higher ed world i think we've got you know kind of a big mandate this is like important work and just really respecting technology's ability to um, help us get our work done better you know and I, I i talk a lot about like kind of high tech and high touch um so uh i think it's that idea of like if we're empowered with the best technology and the best tools we can do our high touch work that much better uh, be able to point ourselves in the right direction kind of log notes on what we've talked about so that you know, if somebody else is coming in, we can be like, hey, I've reached out to the student this many times. This is what we talked about. This is what we did. Um, and just kind of um, have a little bit more of kind of an evidence-based approach and have um, sort of uh, very transparent and accessible, you know, digital records about um, support we've given to students, see what works, see what doesn't, and uh, those sort of things. So, yeah, I mean, working at the university as a full-time resident director for two years in Maine, you know, I think it's, it was like kind of laid back to a fault. I appreciated that I wasn't like stressed out, but yeah. uh, I was really looking for something more, something more innovative. And uh, I definitely found that, that to you. So I think that that was kind of like the big kind of pull um, 
the big pull to be working more in the ed tech space was just really respecting it in general most of my life. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just for my own personal professional career, um, wanting to still work and supporting student experiences, but do that in a, uh, a really different and innovative way. Yeah. And I feel like that's the sort of work that, what, 20 years ago, these weren't jobs. And so like mm-hmm. in the education realm or even in the higher education realm and like the folks who are willing to put that time in, the folks who are doing that work, like you, like our friends at Presence, like a lot of folks are um, really taking on like this new call of being involved in like the the tech game in higher ed. And I know there have been plenty of companies who like are bigger names in our field that we're so used to seeing and whatnot. But I appreciate the folks of like our generation, the folks who like were the early adopters, the folks who were raised with it, taking on these challenges and really um, putting a lot of the focus on benefiting the lives of our field and of our students through technology because the end of the day, the conversation is always based around meeting the students where they are. And the whole thesis of my grad school dissertation was they're online. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So meet them there. Like you're wanting to put, uh, you're helping folks put their uh, grad programs online. That's huge. That's a big deal. And so yeah. um, when you're um, doing this sort of work, how how do y'all go about reaching out to colleges or how like what is that recruitment style like what is the connect how are the those connections made yeah i mean at this point people have a familiarity of this type of work and i mean it's been happening i think there was sort of like an early phase um where it was very you know kind of our industry term i'm sure other people use for different stuff but it was like online ed for a while was very like asynchronous. It was just kind of self-paced. You're watching PowerPoints or, you know, videos more passively. Um, But now a big part of it is having instructor led live sessions like every week or every other week or something like that. So you're in there with your fellow students kind of interacting in a more dynamic fashion, more uh, synchronously in addition to having that like asynchronous self-paced content. So like digital education has really evolved um, within like the past you know, I think since like, you know, the early 2000s and stuff. So like people like to you, people like Noodle Partners are helping to facilitate that kind of um, that quality at scale. So the universities, a lot of them are nowadays, like certain universities are just doing it all in-house and they're finding success with that, but they don't have to do it all themselves because it can be a very time consuming and take a lot of resources. So um, yeah, I mean, at this point, there's a familiarity of just like the space and OPM. So I think my understanding is at times we're pitching universities. Other times universities are just saying like, hey, OPMs, you know, give us your best offers. So they're, they're kind of like initiating that a little bit more. Um, sometimes it may be more direct where university is like, hey, one particular place, can you like help us? We want to work with you. And that's kind of figure out the details. So it can definitely be on that kind of spectrum, whether you know, we're approaching a university that we would like to work with, if they're sort of just making themselves available for competitive pitches or um, if it's more one-on-one, but you know, I, I, I'm not necessarily. This mean it's you know speculating. I've really been that part of like the partnerships world, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely like a new frontier because I think people are respecting like pretty much every college like they'll want or need to have some or many degree programs online just in terms of um, capturing more uh, students and just more accessibility. We just need more people mm-hmm. with credentials. Demand. Yeah, like... yeah. Like meet that demand. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what are some of the challenges that you all are finding, even in like some of those connections you're making with colleges? Are folks like struggling making, uh, like adapting to it? Or um, are you finding that folks are generally more available, uh, adapting really well? What are some of the things that you're seeing in doing this work? Maybe some struggles and some like positives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely unique work. I and mean, I think especially where I am now uh, with Noodle Partners, I'm a little bit more privy to um, kind of managing the relationship with the campus and just all the complexities that go into that. So um, there's definitely a lot of residue of, in terms of a challenge, there's a lot of residue of like viewing, supporting an online degree program the same way you would approach supporting an on-ground program. You know, there's certainly going to be some kind of universal truths, but it is very different, especially working with graduate online adult learners. They're probably working full-time, they have families, they have other commitments. So time management is a really big concern and just making sure that resources and services and just like anything that a student would need to do is easily accessible in the digital space. You know, forms and, you know, scheduling kind of calls with an office or something or getting like counseling appointments, you know, through like a Zoom call or something. You know, it's like, we're really working to try to build that capacity with campuses uh, to be able to support students and just make sure that um, we're making ourselves available and not just having that perspective where I think a lot of campuses, it's just sort of like the student kind of like you build it and they will come or, you know, the students just taking ownership of their own academic journey. It's like we're working with students that got a lot of competing priorities. So as, as easy as we can make it for them to be able to persist and succeed in their degree program, we want to do that. And then certainly, yeah, just making everything uh, be able to be accomplished without having to set foot on campus. And just that could be a continual process, just working through each individual office or um, working with like a, you know, the head of a division of student affairs. But so I think, yeah, the benefits is, again, just depending on how the relationship has come about, some campuses are just willingly being like, we need to get a program online just to help yeah, like scale, meet student demand because there's limits on physical space and just increase in accessibility. It's just kind of like a values-driven thing for them. And that's just really great because I think at this point, you don't really have to sell them on the notion as much. It's more just like, well, how do we want to do it? Like, there's not any one only way to do this. So how do we want to do it? And I guess it being kind of thought partners in that process, especially, you know, working with having developed multiple programs, you can say like, yeah, we've seen this work traditionally, not you know, not this, but you might know kind of how your institution works best or anything you might want to do in-house versus having us kind of uh, outsource it for you. So, yeah, I mean, and that's what's interesting to see. Like, there's a difference between a 2U is kind of like an all-or-nothing kind of package. Noodle's a bit more, um, you know, you can kind of piece it together how you might want, where you might want to do instructional design in-house at the institution, but then have us help you with student coaches or vice versa, like, we can have a little bit more of a flexible, nimble model. Um, so it's neat seeing like people kind of playing around in this space and not just having to be kind of like carbon copies of just like, oh, well, a 2U is a very big player in this space, so let's everybody just carbon copy that and just, you know, I don't know, it's just a matter of just like, I don't know, we feel like partnering with them because they came to us first or something. You know, like it's a very distinct kind of difference in models that are starting to appear in terms of this new um, kind of general structure and model of, uh, digital education with like live sessions coaches and like kind of um you know really high quality filmed video content and not just like you know somebody set up a computer on a 
or set up a camera on a tripod in the back of a lecture hall and like just kind of you know that's like all it is it's like no like we're filming like in a studio with you know really good resources and set up so that they can really um like for those videos that students go through at their own pace like it could just be really high quality stuff that's made for the platform and not just like kind of an after product that's dumped on there as like a you know like an afterthought so um that's just really encouraging is just seeing really cool innovations to help make the best student experience for these online degree programs and help them feel, you know, part of the campus. All right, it's time for the music break portion of the podcast, bringing you a full song from the new album from the band Slow Crush. The album is called Aurora. It came out on September 28th through Holy Roar Records. I got through it that time. Earlier in the beginning of the episode, didn't really get through the the album title and the, the, the record name too easily, but we got through it just there. That was great. As I said before, Slow Crush is a fantastic fuzzy shoegaze band from Belgium. They have some beautiful, atmospheric, noisy tunes that are paired very well with some airy, lovely vocals that I absolutely love. It's music that I was not a huge fan of uh, during college, but then completely fell in love with during grad school. And now over the last five years, it's very much become a big part of my life. I'm a big shoegaze guy, big noise, big fuzzy fan. Really glad to be able to share these tunes with you all today. Go over to HolyRoarRecords.com, get yourself a copy of the album. You can get a vinyl copy. Uh, they're a European outlet, but if you go over to uh, Deathwish Records, DeathwishInc.com, you can get yourself a record or a CD or whichever from the American distributor, which is Deathwish Records, which is out of here in Massachusetts. Good people over at Deathwish. I ordered my record and I had it within like the day it was out, which is friggin' wild. I love how fast I get stuff out here. But you can download the album through Bandcamp. You can stream it really anywhere and everywhere. So if you like these tunes, please go check out the band. Go to holyroarrecords.com or go to slowcrush.bandcamp.com and check it out there. Right now I'm going to play you the title track from the album Aurora from Slow Crush. Here we go.
band Slow Crush. That was the title track of their new album, which just came out on September 28th through Holy Roar Records. You can go to Holy Roar Records if you want to check out stuff if you're in Europe. But if you're in America, you can check them out on uh, Bandcamp at slowcrush.bandcamp.com. You can stream it on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get music. You can also get CDs and copies of the record through Death Wish Records. Go to deathwishinc.com and get yourself a copy now. I have the really cool uh, blue and purple and white merge pressing. It's really beautiful. You can go to my Instagram page to check out pictures of it, or you can check out theirs as well. Check out Slow Crush on social media. They're great. Uh, if they come to America sometime soon, I'll definitely hype that up so we can go see them all together like best friends. Um, but now let's finish up this conversation with Dustin Ramsdale. All right. So I'm going to turn your own show on you right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so first though, can you explain to folks what your podcast is and uh, why you started it? Because you used to do another podcast. Can you explain to mm-hmm. folks what you do with your your setup? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I hosted, uh, kind of co-hosted the Student Affairs Spectacular podcast for the Student Affairs Collective for over two and a half years. Uh, so I ended that, jeez, um, that was end of 2016, most of 2017 off and by november of last year i was just kind of itching to get back into it i'm a huge fan of podcasts i just love the medium and i love talking to people and kind of sharing out that goodness with the world um just to you know highlight different professionals that are doing a lot of different good work so the hired geek podcast uh kind of just sharing the name of my blog hired geek um just sort of this kind of moniker that i've uh, adapted for myself across like social and you know my website and blog and now podcasts so um, takes on a very similar format to the show I did before. It's all interview-based and just kind of asking people about their professional journeys, uh, what they geek out about, like what's kind of capturing their attention and how their their hobbies uh, and interests have positively impacted their lives. Uh, sometimes it's people who have made a living from their geeky interests or people that have really found community um, in their hobbies and just, yeah, like what, what they're reading and watching and listening to. And, you know, it's just got to get them like optimistic about the world. What are they looking forward to? Um, certainly the eternal optimist myself, just really believing kind of, uh, always in the good and the potential and those sort of things. So, um, yeah, it's been going, you know, as of the recording of this, just about a year, um, try to get a good, uh, new episode out every week. And yeah, I interviewed people like, uh, Twitch streamers, uh, uh, geeky fashion entrepreneurs and, um, yes, yeah, higher ed folks, just cause you know, it's obviously my world and I know a yeah. lot of them, but people with a lot of different interests and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's a good kind of diverse, uh, diverse batch of folks, and it's been uh, yeah, a fun experience to be able to kind of continue to uh, the podcast a little bit more and kind of you know, I kind of full ownership of this, you know, kind of do it my way uh, and really try to like ask ask the same questions to different people. That's kind of how I've like tinkered with the, um, the model a little bit from what I was doing before. But um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun for sure. And one of the things that I like dig about um, your approach, my approach, is we're kind of like talking to people who um, might not be big names in our field and in higher ed or in education in general. And I think that 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 was like one of my main pushes because we've been going to conferences for a while Mm -hmm. and I kind of just got tired of hearing the same names, the same voices. And so 
I was like, you know, I'm going to talk to different people. And I like that every time there's a new episode of your podcast up, I'm like, oh, I don't even know who that is. Let's see what this <laughs> is about. Um, and like, yeah, like yours, like this podcast has tended to branch into like the music realm. <laughs> and so I talk to, you know, musicians like you talk to geeks uh, from all walks of life as well. So mm-hmm. um, it there has to be a little bit of a. I think deviation sometimes and that that's really good. And the fact that you've got the, the geek uh, moniker, I've got the punk moniker. <laughs> Our worlds are kind of crashing together here this week, which is fantastic. I'm really glad you were down to have us do our interviews the same week together, yeah, uh, yeah. which I think is going to be kind of neat. Um, <laughs> but I'm curious and I, I don't know how much you feel uh uh, strongly one way or another, but can you explain to me the difference between a geek and a nerd and, or does it matter? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think some people, uh, especially as like kind of the geeky nerdy stuff is coming more mainstream. I think people might've, uh, you know, sometimes I'm even jokingly kind of taking it seriously. It's kind of like, you know, gif or gif or something, but, um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely feel, and from my understanding, of the word and how it's more often been used. Like I'm definitely a geek in the sense that geeks are def- uh, typically from my understanding and please, you know, tweet at me or something if I'm, uh, you know, totally off base. But traditionally my understanding is geeks are a little bit more of the breadth and more kind of entertainment based. And then nerds are kind of deeper and more depth in the kind of more academic disciplines. Um, and then, Interesting. yeah, and I think you can throw in something like a dork in there. Like, it's just like that's like kind of just like people who are kind of awkward. You know, you can kind of maybe just throw that in as like a, a descriptor of you know how someone is. But yeah, yeah. like I'm, I'm very much a sampler. I like just kind of dabbling in things, but I never really get too deep on anything. Like mm-hmm. any video games I play, I don't play them enough to be like the best in the world. And you know, it's sometimes just because I just get bored. I want to play something new, or I try to like you know check out a couple of episodes of something just to be like, oh, okay, I can see the appeal but you know i don't have time to watch every single show ever made so it's like you know just try to have an appreciation of why people love the things that they do and you know i know the things that i do like more than other things but you know it's not as if everybody has to like the things that i like in the way that i like them it's sort of respecting the diversity of enthusiasm of uh, things that people engage in so um, that that has always been my understanding so that's why i definitely identify more with the geek terminology yeah yeah it's interesting because, like, I've always seen, like, geek. Actually, I think I see both of them in the same way you do, but in that, like, I see geeks being, like, um, not necessarily specific, but they have a lot of interests and a lot of things bring them joy. Um, mm-hmm. And for the specific, like, the things that they are interested in, like, there's a bunch of different things. Like, it's just, like, an appreciation for all those different things. And I've always looked at nerds as almost just like they have a specific thing like Mm -hmm. nerds for pro wrestling or nerds for uh punk music or nerds for doctor who like people who go all out (laughs) Mm -hmm. for things uh not necessarily like just like ed stuff but yeah um but i'm curious what are you geeking out about so i'm definitely getting a lot more into video gaming again. Um, I've video gamed in my entire life, and I think especially now because growing up with my brother, um, he was two years older, so he grew up in the same house, and um, a big way that we bonded growing up was playing video games. 
And I think it's been entering back into my life uh, to continue to nurture that bond. So, uh, yeah, we play different games online to just kind of like keep in touch um, when we aren't seeing each other. And it's just for me also like a huge release and just usually play a lot more like single player stuff, kind of story driven games and uh, just really appreciating kind of the, the art uh, of video games. have really kind of reached a, a pretty awesome uh, pinnacle nowadays. So um, that's definitely capturing my attention. Like the new Spider-Man game for PS4 is what I'm playing right now. Uh, and that's really fun. I've got a whole wish list of other stuff that I need to get to, but uh, yeah, PS4 is my weapon of choice. And uh yeah, I mean, I, and I, I watch a lot of TV and movies, so like, always loving all like the comic book superhero stuff, uh, movies and TV shows alike. Um, so I'm trying to get through. I'm kind of behind on some of my shows. So I got to get through like Luke Cage and Iron Fist season twos, and like Daredevil season three is coming out that I'm pre- uh, kind of looking forward to, and um, you know, all the like CW, uh, DC shows like Arrow and Flash and Supergirl, Black Lightning, and all those. I watch all those. Um, those are all definitely things that uh, capture my attention and like um, just always appreciating like a good crossover event. Yeah. Um, like this. Right. I mean, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It's a, a crossover podcast. Yeah. Uh, Cause yeah, it's literally happening like, the same week. Yeah. Yep. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Uh, so yeah, I mean, those are the things and yeah, I try to read some comic books and read. Well, I have, um, it's been sitting on my desk for a little bit, but, um, so recently my wife got me for my birthday. Um, it is the, it's like a trade paperback of Spider-Man when, uh, Spider-Man and Mary Jane got married, like I think that was back in like the eighties or nineties, like, you know, during kind of his like original run. Um, so it just collects a couple of different things, uh, different stories and issues, um, surrounding like the, the wedding. Um, so I need to read through that, but, um, I have some other just sort of like life books, uh, that I have of sort of. Kind of, again, reading is probably slightly above music, uh, but like always kind of falls down the totem pole of like, you know, movies, TVs, video games are like interchangeably in one, two, three, and then like reading and music are like four or five. But um, so I have uh, this book, Disrupted, uh, about kind of like the startup world, kind of been in and around that, at least on the higher ed side. Uh, so I had that book recommended to me. So I want to check that one out. Um, originals by Adam Grant. I have that like sitting on my wait list. And uh, uh, what's the other one? Uh, the Rational Optimist. Uh, I feel like that title just, I was like, I feel like that captures me so well. I just want to read that book. It's a bit more academic. Um, so I'm kind of struggling through that one and some other stuff's getting my attention. But uh, yeah, just a huge Spider-Man fan. I'm looking at my bookshelf in my office here. I've like Green Lantern, Spider-Man, um, some of the Marvel Civil War stuff. Um, and then just some other like generally geeky uh, kind of nerdy books that looks at yeah. it just from a sociological context of like, you know, if somebody kind of lives their life in a geeky way, like what does that mean for them and how they grow up and how they look at the world and um, just that being a good thing, you know? Well, I, how did it, how did it shape your world? I'm really curious now because you've made a brand out of it. How did, yeah. how does it shaped your world? How is it like a big positive take on what you do and how you exist yeah i mean it's yeah it's always been a part of my life you know i've video gamed uh since i was a kid and just like i think that (laughs) that specifically has given me like a vocabulary because like especially in the 90s all the like role-playing games that i played like final fantasy were all text-based so you had to read all the like the words and try and like figure out what they were saying through context clues so 
Um, so that was always a fun thing. And then, um, you know, it's been community, you know, when I, uh, initially got to university of Delaware, the gaming club there was kind of my, uh, entryway into feeling like I belonged and had people that I could have fun with. Um, and then, you know, that helped me to kind of graduate and move on to like my RA community and just like general student leader community and, um, those sort of things. So at least just like building that confidence and, um, knowing, you know, that I belonged there and that that interest, uh, kind of mattered and wasn't like oh you know like it's kid stuff or something it's like no it's just it's a thing that you enjoy and you can bond with people over it and that's at least maybe the kind of uh at least the jumping off point than like you know other conversations about other things but yeah so it's always been you know it's been educational it's been fun it's been community and like i was kind of saying just like respecting how much the things people love can positively impact their lives and just like respecting whatever that is because it might be like, oh, you know, I would never be able to get into that. But, like, it's really meaningful for you. And I really want to celebrate that and appreciate that and support that and nurture that. Because um, I think, you know, yeah, a lot of people on my show have also noted, I think, like, the positive impact of, like, if you kind of kind of live your life in a way that you're very much authentic in your interest and who you are, you know, with students especially, like, you can build those connections, too, in terms of being, like, a full-time professional if you're just like, yeah, this is who I am and what I'm into, my office is decked out, um, again, can help sort of breach a gap. And then it, you probably are going to be talking about Green Lantern for a bit, but then you might be able to get into other things in terms of um, other issues that they might have because they're comfortable talking to you. And um, yeah, I mean, they, it just kind of all that stuff sort of spirals. Like it's just given me so much in terms of um, having these meaningful hobbies and being able to uh, connect with them and. Um, yeah, just have these kind of uh, uh, games that, like, you know, you have to figure out strategy, you know, especially if you're playing, like, you know, uh, multiplayer stuff, you've got to communicate with people and work together, and um, at the very least, yeah, just have this outlet to be able to relax and have fun and, uh, you know, just experience, like, really cool stories and people's creativity and their art and um, what they've made. Uh, so, it's a lot It's a lot of stuff, and I think it... Um, I know it's always going to be a part of my life and something that I share with other people, you know, like my wife or maybe, you know, future children or, you know, I've got a niece now, like my brother just, you know, uh, my brother and his wife, uh, you know, just had a, uh, you know, my niece. And, you know, I just imagine being able to, to share the things that I'm into uh, with her. And, uh, yeah, so I think, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been a lot. And I think it being part of sort of my, you know, quote unquote brand, it's like, yeah, the two I am and, you know, I sort of say that I like kind of geek out about higher ed. I, you know, I'm very kind of enthusiastic about um, this work and being, you know, kind of around the college environment that gave me so much. So mm-hmm. anything I can do to kind of pay that forward. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it just, I don't know why, like it just sounded right when I came up with it, like higher yeah. ed geek, like it just kind of rolls off the tongue and it just is like combining, you know, kind of mashing up these things that I'm into, uh, into something that's unique. So that was, well, yeah, uh, it was, yeah, it's interesting because, uh, the, when I first saw the like when I first I think connected with you, I literally just thought it meant like you were a geek for higher education, which is uh-huh. fine because uh, what I something I forgot to mention in the interview you and I did earlier. Uh, there's a little inside baseball. We've already talked for a little bit today. <laughs> um, I forgot. Like I'm a huge nerd, geek, whatever. I, I'm actually very nerdy. I'm specific. To, to how much I love college campuses. 
I get a kick out of them. Whenever I travel to like a new place, um, I try to find where the closest university is and I run to it and I run wow. around it and I look at the architecture. I, I check it out. Some, some places have more than one college that I can run to and I just explore those. I've been to hundreds of schools now just that way. And I think that there's a lot. So like, you remember that movie Monsters University? Uh-huh, uh-huh. That movie was just like a huge deal to me because they took so much from universities all over the country and all over the world and like crammed it into that movie. And it made me so happy. Like, I love that. Um, and then I learned more about it actually from you launching the podcast that it's more about like being a geek in general, but also being in higher ed. And I dig that a whole lot. Uh-huh. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of the idea. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. Um, so I know you end your podcast with this question, but I'm we got a couple more after this. Um, but what's something that like is going on in your life right now, in your job, in your work, that's like giving you joy or that you're like looking forward to? Yeah, um, I'm just what? straight up stealing from you. This is like punk, true, true, true to the punk form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I dig it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think for my work right now, I'm appreciating being able to do similar work to what I was doing before. It's a, it's a nice step up in terms of responsibility and purview. Um, it is a remote job, so I get to work from home, and I think that eases a lot of pressure from not having to commute and having my time limited in terms of what I can do. Um, for myself and for my my home and my family sort of thing. So um, that's been really appreciated. And I'm really looking forward to, I believe in March is when we're um, going to have our first company offsite where we're making sure that everybody gets together in person. Um, since, yeah, I'm just working from home. I don't, I've met a few people in person that I work with every day. But I'm really looking forward to meeting more of the people at the entire company and, uh, so yeah, so that'll be a couple of months away, and yeah, I mean, I, I just think I found found a bit of a, a niche here, um, sort of supporting the student experience within these online, you know, digital programs, uh, and I, I just really appreciate that my my insights and my experience are are appreciated and uh, sort of desired, you know, like I, I just. And somebody that loves kind of continuous improvement and coming up with ideas. And um, before, I just didn't feel like necessarily that was uh, something that was, you know, sort of nurtured with me. It was just kind of like, okay, you're an advisor, support your students and just kind of, you know, do the work, which is fine. But after two years, I was kind of ready for even just a little bit of a step up to just kind of be more at the table and more in the room, helping to kind of articulate strategy and everything. So I definitely have that now, which I appreciate and I just look forward to that uh, continued opportunity and um, just being able to uh, work on projects on the side too, because it's a very kind of, you know, kind of clock in, clock out, you know, like they support that kind of uh, that balance as well. So yeah, just working on things with my podcast and uh, we have kind of our connect EDU network that I'm uh, working on as well. So uh, I think folks can look forward to some fun announcements uh, regarding that here in the near future. Yeah, actually, so two things. One, I love that you're getting to like truly do something that is like connected to all of the things that you enjoy in your life. And that is, that's one of the best quotes that was ever given to me was from um, one of my friend's dads. And he said, find what you love and then find a way to get paid for it. And 
Um, that's one of the things that's like always stuck in my brain, even as like a little bit of an anti-capitalist, a little bit, a total anti-capitalist, but, uh, as folks will hear on our conversation, huge fan of Shark Tank now, can't stop being a capitalist now, that we, 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 I don't know what's happening to me, but when you're able to get paid doing something and make a living off of something that you enjoy and that you love doing, Hell yeah, that's where you. That's when you know, like you're in a good spot. It may not be where you're going to be forever, but it's right, something that's right. at least helping you own who you are a little bit and um, really develop who you're going to be. Um, and then second, explain to folks what the Connect Edu thing is, because that was yeah, like so, rather recent. So yes, the Connect Edu podcast network uh, is a collection of higher ed podcasters uh, that are just creating quality content on just a number of different topics. And we sort of uh, branded as sort of this uh, way to bring kind of the voices of higher ed together so that people can learn and grow from each other. So we have uh, my show, Higher Ed Social, uh, Josie Alquist's podcast. Uh, there is a Advancement Legends podcast about sort of like alumni affairs. Um, and we're bringing, uh, bringing on some other folks as well here soon. So it's sort of what we'll be um, announcing, but... Um, yeah, my, my hope and vision for it is that it's like really just the um, sort of a, a network of independent higher ed podcasters that, uh, yeah, are just creating great, uh, great quality content on a consistent basis that just help the, uh, sort of the industry or kind of the community in higher ed uh, to, yeah, just learn and grow. So I'm really excited for it. Obviously, yeah, we're still kind of, kind of a homegrown effort that we're working to kind of build our resources and kind of our vision and strategy. But um, yeah, it's been really nice so far, at least just trying to get our name out there and kind of build our network of shows so that we can uh, uh, all just kind of help uplift each other in terms of the network uh, up to higher levels of success. So um, yeah, it's been a fun little, fun little experience uh, so far and uh, looking forward to what's to come. Sweet. And yeah, folks might, you know, have some cool news sometime in the somewhat near future. Who knows? <laughs> Intentionally yes. being vague. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just here to create a podcast, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just vaguely tease things that people, you know, don't have context for, yeah. Everyone just, it's fine, everyone be quiet. Um, (laughs) So, uh, to kind of like wrap this conversation up, I'm uh, curious if you have anything else that folks uh, should know about how to get in touch with you. Do you have any big plans for the future of the podcast? Uh, Yeah, just end on kind of giving you a platform what, what do you what else do you got to say sure yeah i appreciate it um so yeah definitely feel free to connect with me um like i sort of have my official higher ed geek channels on facebook twitter um instagram you know i'm pretty big on linkedin as well if it's your preference but um so yeah, pretty any, big on all... linkedin oh <laughs> that's so great uh, yeah um <laughs> That's a whole bit, yeah. I've been, I've been like engaging a little bit more on there. So if people are interested, I'm happy to talk more about it. But um, yeah, kind of open and accessible and uh, kind of those main sort of platforms. And um, happy to talk more. And uh, folks are always kind of intrigued about like, you know, now Noodle Partners, but also like when I was at 2U, it's definitely unique kind of work and always happy to uh, talk more about it or podcasting or any of that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, and I think for the podcast, uh, as I kind of focus a little bit on connecting to you stuff, there might be. Um, a little bit of a lull as we go into the end of the year and the holidays going on. But um, yeah, just really excited to, I think, play with the format a little bit and uh, with the network, start to bring 
bring some more folks uh, into the network and um, really try to look at 2019 as hopefully a year to uh, try to grow the network and get more resources, continue to get our name out there and try to uh, help people to know about all the great shows that we have on there. So, um, yeah, those are kind of uh, things that I'm working on right now. And, um, yeah, I'm just uh, excited for, for what's to come and to sort of close out the uh, the year on a, on a positive note. Yeah, man. Well, thanks for being willing to chat with me. Uh, I hope folks check out what you got going on. And if you were directed here from Dustin's podcast, <laughs> hey, uh, I'm glad you made it through another, what, hour or so of us talking. <laughs> Again. Yeah, it's all, all good stuff, yeah. <laughs> we just tried to flip the switch a little bit and have some fun with uh, – with the uh, medium this week because I'm glad we did. I had a lot of fun learning more about you because you've already interviewed me a few times and now I wanted to, I wanted to have some fun here. So I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Yeah. Have a good one. I'll do my best. That's it. We did it. Another episode all done. I want to thank my buddy Dustin Ramsdell for having a great conversation with me again. If you are finishing our conversation and you haven't checked out Dustin's podcast this week, I'm his guest. We did this whole thing where we 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 were each other's guests on each other's podcast this week so we can hype them both up. It's it's a pretty I thought it was I thought it was a pretty cool idea. And we enjoyed we enjoyed recording them. So if you want to check them both out, cool. Go over to the Higher Ed Geek podcast wherever you get your podcast. Go to the higheredgeek.com and check out all the stuff that Dustin does. Uh, and if you want to hear more tunes from Slow Crush, go to slowcrush.bandcamp.com. Go over to Holy Roar Records. Check out all the great bands that they've put out this year, including the new Svalbard album, which is one of my favorite things I've heard all year. It's called It's uh, Hard to have hope and i really love that album but this slow crush album is also destroying me it's so good incredible fuzzy shoegaze if you enjoyed it please 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 go support those bands support the belgian shoegaze uh slow crush please please do that and yeah that's really all i've got uh we've had a little bit of an issue with the apple podcast app lately for some reason i don't know but apparently it's getting figured out so i hope y'all are listening i hope this is uh still getting in your ear holes and uh we'll have another new episode next week i've already had that conversation it's gonna be really fun really cool first time i've talked to someone who is actually in europe while we talked so that was pretty sweet and yeah i don't really have a whole lot left um i personally just released a new song um, for my new uh, solo performing self, uh, the new name is called Fragile Bird, and I put out a song uh, called Be Patient and a new video for it. I'll put it in the podcast uh, notes and stuff if you want to check it out. I'm not really hyping it in the actual episode itself, but I figured I'd at least put it in the notes. I think it'd be kind of cool for some folks to check out. Uh, some folks know my dad passed away three years ago uh, this past Friday, so I put that song out for him. Uh, and so it's kind of my kind of moving on sort of thing. So if you want to hear more about how, what that's like and the way I'm making my music now, go to fragilebird.bandcamp.com or just find it on the Facebook machine or reach out to me. I don't care. However you want to do it. Um, yeah, that's all we got now. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, until then, let's get to work.